So a while back when we were having our staff meeting talking about the series that we were going to do through summer, Andy and Chrissy had taught, or brought up the word recalibrate. And the first thing that immediately came to my mind was recalibrating a compass. Growing up on boats, um, for much of my younger life, we lived on an island an area that um, there was a, a, ba- a turning basin, which was large. And so we would see boats of some size come in and start moving, kind of positioning themselves at different angles, and we realized what they were doing. They're recalibrating their compass. Well, that was really, really, really important before 1995 when GPS came out, and uh, we just click something, and now we know exactly where we are on the planet. Lord willing, the satellites continue to fly. Anyway, recalibrating a compass. Before 95, how we would do it is you would take a chart, and you would have on that chart that there would be stationary places. There was obviously lighthouses, buoys, and whatnot, but there was also places on land that were markers that you could notice and see with your naked eye. So you would find one of those markers and you would turn the boat exactly to where that marker is and it needed to match up what the course was on the chart. And if it didn't, you would move the battery a little bit, or battery, not a battery, it's a lead ball because you're, you're moving the... Um, what the magnetic, you're changing the magnetic field, okay? And so you would do that until it was exactly what the chart said, and then you would do it again from a different point. So you'd do three or four points, and you would be pretty doggone good with your compass. That is if you're not 15 and arrogant and stupid. Like I was when I was 15, in my little Owens 20 inboard because I was the boater. My older two brothers that were quite a bit older than myself, seven and nine years, they weren't into boating. They were in college already. They weren't into boating at all, so they were clueless. So we're heading over to Catalina Islands, which is 30 miles off the coast. It's not socked in fog, but you can see maybe a quarter of a mile. So you're pretty quickly out of sight of land and anything else. And I get the wonderful brainy idea that our compass is wrong. And so I stand facing aft, watching, and we're going, I don't know, 20, 25 knots, because you can see far enough ahead to stay away from danger. And I am watching to make sure we're going straight. Remember, I was 15, okay? Pretty cocky. And I was the know-it-all on the boat, and I wanted to prove to them. Well, instead of getting toward Catalina, we ended up about 15 miles north of Newport, where we left, to Seal Beach. So we did this big half-circle right back to the beach, and we heard breakers... 
and saw breakers in front of us and realized that is not a good place to be. So we turned around, thankfully found a boat that was heading for Avalon. We followed him. Stupid compass. How important is a compass? So I ask you, what do you recalibrate your life on? What is it in your life that you settle back in and go, okay, I'm going in the right direction. We've got this covered here. So I'm asking that question this last week and thinking, okay, so what is it? And there's two two passages of scripture that I just want to kind of use as a frame of reference. And the first is taken from um, last week's message in Jeremiah 29. And it's a couple of verses later, okay? It's verse 11. And it says this, For I know God is the eye, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. That is God's declaration to us, not only this morning, but for millennia. This was written 2,500 years ago. And the second scripture is Matthew 6.10 that we pray nearly every week in our services. Thy will be done on earth. Period. Let's stop there. Let's just stop there. So, we have this God who says, I've got good things for you. I've got whole things. I want wholeness in your life. I want peace in your life. I want righteousness in your life. I have plans for you to move forward and bring these things into this world as well. Today, there is some 2 billion Christ followers on this planet, representing over 2,000 language groups and cultures. That's astounding. That's today. Think back over 2,500 years when the Jeremiah message, the message has not changed. God has said, I am for you and I am bringing good things into your lives. Wholeness, health, plans, righteousness, goodness. God's purpose in the past, in the present, and into the future. So, what recalibrates your life? What recalibrates my life is to what has, what has taken place in going through this message in my head, in my life, is that, wait a second, wait a second. God is bigger than everything happening today. He is greater than everything happening today in our country, in our different states, blah, blah, blah. He's bigger than the COVID-19 virus, okay? He's bigger than that. 
And he has proven himself to people throughout the ages. In this book, on Wednesday morning when we get together, there's, how many were there? Five of us? There was Cindy, Andy, Janet, myself. Who else was there? Scott. Scott was there. And we were amazed at at looking back into the Old Testament. Where do we see God doing good things in people's lives? All over the place. All over the place. And we were bringing up all of these different stories that we love. Esther, right? And, and I was just sitting there thinking, see, this is good. This is good. This has been communicated to us from 25 plus hundred years ago. All the way up to today. All the way up to Friday at that funeral where there wasn't an ounce of negativity in that service. Everyone, this place was three quarters full, wasn't it? Everyone in this auditorium left here going, yes! Bill Harder was a good friend and he was a great man. He was a great husband and he was a great father. Praise God! I'm going to go out and do the same. That's what happened Friday at this, at this service. It was glorious. It was wonderful. There was no, oh, this is such a bummer. Okay. God's purpose is, has a trajectory that is generative, that is positive. We are being transformed by one degree of glory to the next. So I just want to highlight three quick things through Romans 8. And there are many, many other passages of Scripture that not only document what God does in people's lives, but what He wants to do in your life and in my life. So Romans 8.11 If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in me, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so if God is generative, if he is always moving forward, if he is always this outpouring of his spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those good, wonderful things that that impact our lives individually. If that's who God is, and he has put his spirit in our lives, we are to be the same. We are to live our lives in the same manner. And we can, because it's been done for 25 plus hundred years. That's insane. That is so exciting. Then we go to Romans 8.20. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Romans 8.22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning groaning, waiting to see the revelation of the sons and the daughters of God and complete redemption, which is going to happen in the future. All of creation grows. It's just not us. 
It includes everything that God has created, which he created what in the beginning? Thank you. Did you say that, Isaac? Good job, buddy. Or was it Janet? Oh, it was Janet. But you were thinking it. I know it. You knew the answer to that. Okay. And then this crazy verse in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That verse now makes a lot more sense to me. That he in his infinite wisdom and infinite power can make all things good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That's us. That's us. He makes things good. So how does he actually do that? I don't know for sure. But a taste of it, a taste of it is, we just did the series on Christ being on earth 40 days after his death, burial, and resurrection. And we were looking into the stories that related to that. What was it like for Christ in this body? Do you remember he was not recognized? Do you realize that God is infinite? That we cannot contain him? That we cannot figure him out? That they could not even recognize Jesus who has been completely, utterly transformed into this new being, into this new body that we will one day have and share as well? They didn't recognize it. They could... The material world is transcended by God's life that he infuses into us by his spirit and even touching material bodily way in Christ who was on earth for 40 days. And people go, who is this? What is this? What are we going to be? We don't know right now. I think there's a verse about that in 1 John. We don't know exactly how, what we're going to be like. But we know it's going to happen because God is a generative God. Everything he does moves in a good direction. He will and is dealing with sin. With our sin. With your sin. With the sin of society. So, my message. What is my message this morning? Um, how, it, how it has unbelievably impacted my life in this doldrum of COVID and everything else that's going on. It's just like this, the wind is just out of my sails. It's just sucked the life out of me in so many ways. And to recalibrate my thinking about, wait a second, what is the church supposed to be up to? What are we supposed, what am I supposed to be up to? So, you know, we've talked about in the past that the thousand little things that make the big difference, okay? So, one of the, 
one of the things that I'm doing is um, we had contacted Pastor Green down at the um, Divine Church of Church in Christ Temple, something like that, down downtown. And Pastor Green, we and Janet and I met with him, and he was he was excited then. That was a year and a half ago or so. So I called him up this last week and I said, "Hey, I just I just want to get together with you. You know, do you have a service at night or something that we can come and just be with you, be in proximity with you in your African American church?" And he said, "He said, Mark, yesterday, yesterday." I wrote this down to myself. I need to get together with some of my white brothers and sisters. I go, great. What day works next week? He goes, Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday, 11 o'clock. I'm bringing Andy with me and Jerry Bader wants to go come too. Is that okay? Sure, you bet. We just want to hang. We just want to talk together, pray together, be together and see what God does. We don't know what he wants to do, but we need to be together to figure it out. So we're doing that. One more story of what, what God has prompted me to do within this context to be generative, okay? So growing up in California and being in ministry in Southern California, there is a tremendous amount of Latino communities in Southern California, okay? And I know many of the ministries, and I'm involved relationship-wise with the leaders of ministries within Latino neighborhoods, areas, and what whatnot. So I had gleaned through that that Children in Latino families would help each other with homework. The older to the younger, and sometimes the younger to the older. But they would help each other. The families would... And the primary reason for that is that the parents don't really speak fluent English. But they do. So there's a language barrier with child to parent... And so that kind of forced them to, hey, how do I do this problem in math? And that was pretty common within family units. So that was years ago, okay? So just a few weeks ago, we're driving around doing one of our, with Janet, um, giving the, the meals in... Actually, our neighborhood on the northwest side, and um, and we were at one house, and I was sitting. Janet runs the things in, and I figure out where we're going next, and we go and we drive there. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going, what does it look like? This is when schools had closed. Okay, so everyone's, all the kids are home. All the kids are home, and I'm thinking about what does homeschooling look like in that home. What does it look like? And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Why doesn't it look like a Latino home where the siblings are helping each other learn? Why is that important? 
Because it is a, I believe, it is, it can be a generative activity that is happening in that household. It is a positive thing that is taking place in that home. And if we could create a little program to help cultivate that, we are bringing a little bit of generative hope and learning into that home. So, we've been, Jerry and I, and, and um, Jerry Whaley, we've been talking about this and praying about this for a few weeks, and we came up to, um, Jerry said, okay, this is what we should do. Let's, let's choose two families. I've got the two families. And we're going to do a pilot project. This summer, school's done, school's out, so we'll probably just do a, a simple reading thing for 15 to 30 minutes a day or something like that during the week. But we're just going to do a, a pilot project and see what happens. And to see if the possibility... What, it, what actually takes place and whether it could be moved next school year to getting a couple of teachers that Jerry knows in the neighborhood. If they will take on and continue that within a couple of people's lives, families' lives, to see if it can actually, the seeds go germinate and grow and produce generative things in those homes. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. I would appreciate your prayers. Pray for Jerry. Do you realize, we've got 10 minutes. Do you realize that Jerry Bader, his ministry in a very low poverty area was just beginning and he had all of these plans for the summer and then COVID hit and everything shut down including him and what he was planning to do, everything. So he's sitting there talking, having this little conversation with God, going, okay, God, what's up with all this? Come on. We had all these plans. Everything's in play. We're, we're moving, 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 and going forward. And the next day, <laughs> the next day, he gets a call from a teacher from one of these elementary schools, and said, hey, is there any way you can help deliver some meals? Because there are homes that the grandmother is watching six kids, eight kids, and there's no way they're going to get across Ashland over to the place where you can pick up the meals yourself with six kids or four kids. That's just not going to happen. So Jerry goes, well, yeah, sure. Now, and it quickly happened where we're doing 150 homes. We weren't only doing Monday through Friday, which they would get these meals at school. Now they're doing weekend meals. So it just exploded for him as he was having this little conversation with God, going, what's going on? I was all excited about everything for this summer, and now it's all over with. Just wait, Jerry. Just be patient. You'll, you'll get there. You're listening. 
It's coming. Praise God. Praise God. So, of course, as soon as Janet heard it, she goes, I'm in. I'm in. Christy's in. Dick's in. He's helping. It's going all the way through August. All the way through August. They're giving out meals. So anyway, generative. Pray that, believe that, breathe that, live that. The question, what do you recalibrate your life to? It's fascinating how this book, and this is something else that we talked about Wednesday morning, how real this book is. It does not sugarcoat things. There are things that are, ooh. One of those comments that Chrissy made about, was the second Thessalonians, I can't remember what little letter it was. She goes, I don't like that letter. <laughs> that's, that's just so real because this book is real. This book is real. It doesn't sugarcoat things. But the God behind this book is generative. He redeems. He brings new creation. May we be following that every day of our lives. God bless you. Let's stand for the closing hymn.